Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Last week, I said that resiliency as people of faith has to be about more than survival. Resiliency as people of faith is about staying faithful to God's vision of restoring a broken world, healing what is broken, restoring everything that fractures or divides humanity. This is God's vision for the world. And the vision that guides our congregation here at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church is a vision of God's world being restored with grace and peace. Now this vision, it must be more than simple words. It has to be more than than black ink on paper, more than something written on the wall or church speak that you hear about in a sermon. This vision of the world being healed, mended, put back together has to guide everything that we do. The vision of the church, especially in this age, is not survival. Our vision, our guiding force, isn't to make it through the pandemic. The vision is not simply to offer religious goods and services. The vision isn't to have the best programming or programming for programming's sake. It's not even about offering weekly worship, just to have weekly worship. The ultimate guiding purpose of our life together as a body of Christ, as the heart, hands, and feet of Jesus in the world, it's about restoration. It's about healing. It's about love. It's about peace. It's about living and loving like Jesus and telling others of the saving grace that can be found only in our crucified life together. A crucified life where the ways of sin are put to death and where God raises us up to new life, new hope, new possibilities, a brand new humanity where there is no more crying, no more mourning, no more divisions, no more hatred, no more pain. A world restored with grace and peace. This is what guides the church. This is what guides our congregation. And yes, this is what God wants desperately to guide your life and my life and our life together. But here's the thing. Having a clear understanding of our vision, it also helps move us from simply being present to truly understanding our purpose. I'm recording this sermon on Thursday, November 5th, in the wake of our presidential election here in the United States. And Americans all over our country are anxiously awaiting, as I record this, the results of that election. Now, one thing is perfectly clear right now. We are living in a very divided country where millions and millions of Americans see very important issues differently. This election has simply revealed the bitter divisions that we knew, that we know are present in our life together. This has been a time for me 
of mourning. Mourning how differently people see really important issues, how ugly things have gotten. Tactics of fear or hatred or making a friend into an enemy, all of that has been so active and present. And I mourn it. This election cycle has put on full display the reality of divisions in our republic. And as you listen to this sermon right now, it might be possible that the results of our election are known or in the days ahead, they will be known. Here is one thing that is certain. Once we have the election results, millions of Americans in our country will be celebrating and millions will be mourning. So where do we go from here? What is our calling? What is our purpose? Today, I want to talk about being guided by vision, being guided by the reality that we are called to be citizens of the kingdom of God, which cannot be fit or molded into a box of partisan politics. Being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, has to have greater weight in our lives than being affiliated with any political party, as important as politics are to us. Because in the cross of Jesus, we know that all of those identifiers, all of those identities that we carry for ourselves are put to death, just as Christ was stripped of everything socially, politically, religiously on the cross. As he hung there, humble, we know that he died stripped of everything. The theology of the cross is what centers us. That even though we have differences, that even though we see the world differently, we are all united, not necessarily in our total agreement about everything, but we are united in our need for that Savior who hung upon the cross. We are united in our collective need for God's grace. And the cross teaches us that Christ died for all, for you and your political enemy for you and your neighbor that you disagree with, for you and the person that you used to sit next to in the pew at Prince of Peace who sees the world very differently than you do. In our gospel lesson for today in Matthew chapter 25, we see one of three preparation parables. These are parables that Jesus taught, and they're all about being prepared for the coming of Christ. As I've read through the preparation parables, I've also started to understand them as purpose parables. They're not only about preparing for the coming of Christ, just like we see in the one about the 10 bridesmaids for today, but they're also about purpose. In our parable for today, we hear about these 10 women who are, who are invited into a role. They're to have lamps lit and to wait for the bridegroom to come. Now, these aren't bridesmaids that you might think about in a wedding in our context, in our culture. Most likely, these were little girls who were invited to be a part and to play a very important role. As the bridegroom and the wedding party would be arriving by night in a culture and a time with no electricity or street lamps lit by only the stars and the moon, they were to hold out their lamps, to have enough oil ready 
so that the bridegroom could see where the festival, the banquet, would take place. Now we know that there's trouble in the story. For five of these girls, will they bring just enough oil for their lamps? But the other five don't bring any. And so in the moments of scrambling, as word comes that the bridegroom is coming, they rush out to buy oil, but they're too late. You see, these five were present, but they forgot their purpose, their purpose for being there. The purpose of these ten bridesmaids was to be a bearer of light so that the bridegroom could see where he was going. Church, we have a purpose. Our purpose is to be light in the world. Now, we are not the light. The light is Jesus Christ and Christ alone, but we are called to reflect that light in this world. We're called to reflect that light with how we treat one another, how we love one another, how we serve one another, how we work together to advocate for justice and peace in this world. We need to be more than present. We need to live into our purpose. A few years ago, I was leading a Bible study, and I'll always remember this moment. It was a beautiful moment of confession. As we were looking at the scripture that night, somebody was present there who made a confession. The person said, you know, as we talk about identity and purpose and vision in this Bible study, I'm having a realization. He went on to say, I I think I'm more proud of the fact that I'm an American, that I'm a veteran, and that I'm a member of a certain political party then I'm proud of being a follower of Jesus. He said, I think that I'm more proud of being an American, a veteran, and a member of a certain political party than I am a follower of Jesus. And now, here's the real confession. He said with great humility in his voice in that moment, as if he was realizing this for the first time, And I don't think God is okay with that. I don't think God is okay with that. In a divided culture, maybe one thing the church needs more than anything is to embrace confession, is to embrace the ways that we have allowed our identity to be overcome, co-opted by things like tribal politics, partisan politics. You see, we have a role to play in confessing the divisions and the perpetuation of hatred and animosity among our people. We are not immune from that because we're citizens too. So in the wake of this election, as results become known, we know that these divisions in our culture and in our society, they're not going to go away overnight. Maybe we begin with healing and repairing a broken world by confessing the ways that we, very personally, very individually, have perpetuated hatred, discord amongst God's people. The hatred and animosity that we might feel in our hearts towards those who think differently than we do, vote differently than we do, see the world differently than we do. 
Now, this doesn't mean that we aren't guided by principle, that we are not guided by our values, guided by God's vision of a great feast, a banquet for all peoples, God's reign of justice and mercy and love. We are guided by those things. We do stand against hatred. We stand against division. We stand against corruption as followers of Jesus, but we never stand against corruption with hatred in our heart for anyone, not even an enemy. We stand in righteousness, not because we're righteous, but because of the one who is righteous, Christ's righteousness that Christ gives to us. This vision of God's world being made whole. I can't bring about this vision on my own, and neither can you. The church can't bring about the fullness of this vision apart from Christ. But we are called by Christ to pursue it, to live into it, to be committed to it, to heal a fractured and a broken world. How is it that you will be a part of healing today? Who can you call? Who can you reach out to that might see the world differently than you do? Who maybe voted in this last election differently than you did? How can you build authentic connection and community? You see, we're called to do more than confess the ways that we perpetuate sin and division. We're called to form connection. We confess and we connect. We confess and we connect so that we're not just present, but we're reminded that we have a purpose to heal, to love, to mend, and to work towards that day when all things will be made new when all peoples will sit together, not as enemies, but as friends, where people will embrace where they once were so bitterly divided. May you see the face of your creator in the eyes of those you might call an enemy. May we all be humbled to see the face of Jesus, whose face is filled with mercy, love, and hope for a hurting and divided world. Cling to your faith in the crucified and risen Lord. God loves each of you, and I do too. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.